so good to have you all here at the 10 o'clock service. <laughs> wow. You like, you know, you might look at someone who's like, I've never seen you at this church before. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's so good to see everyone together. And, and I believe in this process of being obedient to the Lord that we will see momentum and we will we'll see mending nets. Amen. That's why we're that's why we went to one service and and sometimes you don't know all the ins and outs or or, or the when we know mending nets and momentum but you don't know all the reasons and, and all the things that God is going to do in the process. Um, but I'm excited about it. Amen. Amen. Before I get in the word today, um, this is Thrive Group weekend. So if you're a Thrive Group leader, just stand to your feet real quick. So encourage you. Yeah, Tommy's got his hands up back there. So encourage you. If you're not part of a Thrive Group, um, they'll, they'll be in the lobby after the service or um, right outside the front. And, um, and get connected with a Thrive Group somewhere, somehow. It's a great opportunity to build relationships. Part of who we are as a church and our process of making winners in life, because that's what we're about, is, is connect, thrive, serve, reach, and lead. So this is our process on how we do things, and Thrive Groups is such a vital part of it because I believe great discipleship happens in a small group setting. And a lot of the things happen on a Sunday morning, but I'm telling you also great, great things. The New Testament church was built upon going from house to house, meeting in house to house, breaking of bread, fellowship and prayer. And so encourage you, you can go to our church center app and you can find the Thrive Groups there or our website. Heritageoffaith.com, and you can, you can find out a Thrive Group there. So you can be seated. Amen. So let's get in the Word. Now, I've been, um, I've been meditating on our, the prophetic word that we've been given by Dr. Savell about 2022 will be a year of the open hand of God for unusual, extraordinary, supernatural provision. And, but just what I was instructed to do was just to wait until he's ministered. Um, he's ministering two more times between now and the rest of the year. That's December 5th and December 19th. Um, but I just, Lord, I just felt prompted. I, I needed to let him finish speaking what he, what the Lord has placed in his heart. And, um, probably after the first of the year, I'll get into some things I know that will complement that, uh, for us to walk in that word. Amen. Amen. So I'm excited about that. So what's in my heart is continue to deal with altars. And last week I talked about consecration, that you can have a calling on your life and you can be called from the foundation of the world. You can have an amazing calling upon your life, but just because that God's called you to something doesn't mean that calling will be fulfilled because it's what we, it's, it's, it's our consecration to that calling that determines if we ever fulfill that calling. You know, Jesus had to consecrate himself to the call of God. If Noah was going to fulfill what God had called him to do, he was going to have to consecrate himself to, I'm going to build an ark even though I've never seen rain. If David was going to consecrate himself to the will of God, he was going to, if he was going to fulfill that calling upon his life, he had to separate himself into it. Abraham. Yeah, it's great having this name on your life and knowing that, hey, God's going to, you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. I'm going to make your name great. See, it's great to have that revelation, but, but the thing is the calling didn't start being fulfilled until Abraham left where he was. So that's, that's consecration. That's, that's one thing to have a calling in your life, but the only way to fulfill that calling is if you set yourself and you give yourself totally to it. You know, Jesus had said, he said this, he said, 
not my will be done, but your will be done. When he was at the garden, he was at an altar, so to speak. And he, you heard me talk about this last week that he, he prayed a prayer and he said, if this cup can pass from me. And then he, then he leaves where he's praying. He goes back in and he gets to the disciples and he says, he goes, um, uh, couldn't you tear with me one hour? And he, and he talks to them and he said, be, be careful because, because, you know, watch and pray and get less temptation comes. And then he goes back and, and he goes back and he prays again. And he says, God, he goes, if this cup can't pass from me, nevertheless, my, he, meaning God, <laughs> Jesus was waiting for God to change his mind. <laughs> But when he came back, he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. And it was because of the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Despising the shame. You see, he had to consecrate himself to fulfill that call. And I want each one of us to know that we have to consecrate ourselves, set ourselves apart. You're not a Christian just so can say, hey, I'm going to heaven one day. No, you were born for something greater. Thank you, Father. Let's go, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. And we'll get into what? Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the Father of glory, the originator of glory, the distributor of glory, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So here he's praying here and he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So he Paul's praying here and he's saying praying to the church of Ephesus and he's praying to, I believe, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, I want to give you I want the father of glory to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's not just spirit, it's not just revelation for revelation's sake, but it's the revelation of Him. Just as we just talked about, know that He is God. Verse 18 says, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I want your eyes open this morning. I want my eyes open this morning. This was the prayer that their eyes would be open to something. And if Paul's praying this, evidently their eyes weren't open to the fullness of what this meant. I I had to come to a place as a believer where I don't know everything yet. I I had to come to a place even as as being a pastor, even, even every day of my life, I have to open my heart, open my ears, open my eyes for my heart to be enlightened to everything that he is in my life. This is not something all of a sudden that we arrive at and and we never have to press into and we never have to pursue. This is something that we need our eyes open to. Because you don't eyes open to something or your ears open to something and your heart open to something, you'll never be able to have faith to walk in it. We'll, We'll get in that in just a little bit. 
so that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Why does he want your eyes open? And what does he want our eyes open to? That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? This is what he wants our eyes open to. The hope of his calling, the inheritance that we have in the saints. You have an inheritance as a believer, as a child of God, as someone that has a covenant with God, you have an inheritance. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? So he wants our eyes open to the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. So he wants our eyes open so that we might know something, Rochelle. He wants us to know something. Let's go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. You might be like, well, what does this have to do with consecration? we'll, We'll get there. John chapter 17. There's two reasons that I believe... There's two, the twofold reason on when Jesus, and when Hebrews talks about it and says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. As I talked about last week, part of that joy was he saw Jeff. He was looking at Matt. He was looking at Megan. You're the joy that was set before him. But I believe there's, there's another, another thing here that, that I see in, in chapter 17 that I believe, why also was there joy set before him? Let's look at verse 3. He says, And this is life eternal, that you might know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is life eternal. Life eternal. Life eternal is about what? Knowing him, knowing Jesus. That you might know the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And he says, I have glorified thee on the earth. And this is, this is Jesus praying to his Father. I have glorified you on the earth, Father. And I have finished the work which the Father gave me to do. Now, verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now, get it. Get an understanding of this. This is, this is pretty deep, okay? Now, Jesus is praying here, and he is saying, Restore to me the glory that I had with you before the world was. The joy that was set before him, yes, was you and me, but also was stepping into the fullness of the glory that he knew firsthand. There's a glory, there's a love There's a presence, there's a power, and there's a goodness that you and I have yet to experience. Now, we may have tasted the goodness. We may have tasted his love. We may have tasted his power. We may have tasted his strength. We we may have a taste of it. But Jesus was saying, restore to me the glory 
that I had with you before the world was. Wow. Look at your neighbor and say, there's something more than what I've known up till now. See, we can, we can settle for a taste. But you know what? I don't want just a taste. I don't want just a little dabble do me. I, I don't want a bite of pumpkin pie. I want the whole pie. See, Jesus was pressing into and was revealing to us that there's something more. There's something more. Go to Philippians chapter 3. I'm just laying a foundation here. Another good thing about one service is I have more time. Philippians chapter 3. Just laying a foundation here. Verse 10 in the Amplified. This is Paul speaking. He says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Now, my determined purpose. What's your determined purpose? When you woke up this morning, what was your determined purpose? When you, when you wake up tomorrow, what's your determined purpose? What is your determined purpose? Yeah, I know we have to work. Yes, I know there's, there's responsibilities that we have. I know there's, there's things that, that we have on our schedule, on our day, and our plan. And, and I know all those things. But Paul's saying, my determined purpose is that I might know him. And it defines and amplified that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. He's saying my heart, my determined purpose, what causes me, what fuels my life is I want to know everything that I can know about him. Jesus, his desire was to know the father. Paul's desire was to want to know the Father. In verse 12 says, Not as though I've already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also apprehended of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That I may apprehend that which apprehended me. What's he talking about? He's talking about on the road to Damascus when he saw the glory of God that knocked him off of his donkey. And he's saying, I want to apprehend the very thing that apprehended me. When I saw that light, when I saw the glory of God and it knocked me to my feet, it knocked, when it knocked me off the donkey and I'm looking up and his first response was, who are you, Lord? And Paul is saying, 
My determined purpose is to know him. And he's saying, I'm not saying I've already apprehended this. He says, but I want to apprehend the very thing that apprehended me. I tasted that glory on the road to Damascus. I saw a portion of it. I saw a part of it. I've walked in this anointing and this power and this ability. And I've seen people healed. You know, he talks about in Romans 15 that he went about from, from uh, Jerusalem to Illyricum, which is, which is, which is um, Albania. And he went all these places. And he saw, he said, I saw signs and wonders and miracles firsthand, but yet his still determined purpose was, I want to apprehend the very thing that apprehended me. I don't just want to taste. Yeah, I'm encouraging you every Sunday, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not against anyone tasting, but the thing is, I don't want you to be satisfied with just a taste. Paul wasn't just satisfied with, with that moment on the road to Damascus. It wasn't until he said, hey, I've got to finish my course. I've got a purpose. I've got a calling. I've got something to fulfill in my life. So Paul had consecrated himself over. Jesus had consecrated himself over saying, hey, I've got to pursue him. See, your consecration is found in what you're pursuing. See, the altar is always a place where we, we run to, not run from. David, he, he had this, David had this, this pursuit for the presence of God in the natural. It looked like this. He said this, and I believe it's in first Chronicles chapter 11. He said, Oh, if I could have, and if I could taste the good water waters of Jerusalem, if someone could, could, could go get me just this taste of the good water outside of the Bethlehem gate. See, that was natural, though. If I, I could taste, taste this good water, if I could taste some of the good water. <clears throat> Why well, he, he remembered he. He remembered that water, he went to that water, he he, he went to that place where and got water and he remembered it. See, we can look back in our lives and and we, we can remember things. You know, I'm grateful I, that I had a mom that was a good cook. I'm grateful that I have an amazing wife that's an amazing cook. And there's some things I'm like, oh, I wish she would make that. Oh, I mean, when we were, we were dating, she made, she made me this. She made me gisau. Gisau. Goodness. Oh, it's just like, oh, the meat was so tender and you put it in a homemade tortilla. Oh, goodness. Let's go eat. And she made me a coconut cream pie. Actually, the first, when she made me that, she actually made me tres leches cake. Oh, goodness. Mmm, shundai. Wow. And she makes an amazing tres leches cake. Oh, goodness. Wow. Mm. I know that he is Lord in Justin's life. I mean, and, and there's things in the natural that, that, that you, you can look back and, and you can taste and you can remember. 
but just remembering it isn't like having it. Some of you and some of us have, you've experienced God's presence, but, but it's been a while. It's been a moment. Because other things sometimes become too important. And wonder why maybe God brought you into his house to begin with. Or when you first came to God, why, 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 why did that coming to God and the desire to come to God, why did that stop becoming a pursuit? Yeah, I know it can happen. Offense. I know we get busy. I know it happens. But there, there's nothing like with David. Was it, yeah, the, the water was one thing. But, but in, in Psalm 63, he said, he goes, he says, oh, God. He goes, with my, he goes my soul. He said, he said I, oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly will I seek you, he said, in a dry and weary land where no water is. And was he, so I've looked upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. I I looked upon your sanctuary. Why? Because I want to see something. I want to experience something. I want to know something. See, Paul prayed that prayer that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of his calling, the, the inheritance of the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power. So we need to be praying that prayer. We need to be receiving the answers to that prayer. And we need to be putting ourselves in a position so we can see. Good Isaiah chapter six. That was my foundation. So it's. Now, the worship team usually doesn't know what, I pre- what I'm going to preach on or what the Lord's given me. So they're always, I believe, led. Isaiah chapter 6. Thank you, Father. Verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, why would would this be important? Why didn't he just say, I saw the Lord high and lifted up? What was so, why, why did he have to give us a timetable? Why did he have to give us a time frame? And why did he even have to give us a person? He specifically said it was in the year that King Uzziah died. What's so important about us having to be aware of King Uzziah dying? You have to understand because at that time, for one, King Uzziah was one of the greatest kings. He didn't have a good ending, but he started reigning at 16 years of age. And he reigned for 52 years. King Uzziah, it says in 2 Chronicles 26, it said, as long as he sought the Lord, he was made to prosper. I mean, this King Uzziah, he made weapons that had never been created before. 
He made weapons that nothing that had never been created. He he had ways and avenues of of strategy to be able to do things. He there was things that he created that didn't exist on how to get water from one place to another. There were some amazing things that this King Uzziah did until it said he got lifted up in himself, and they ended up and he ended up having leprosy and he ended up dying. But why was it important? Because, because a king in that time was, ha- they looked at the king as a king and a priest. And they, they, they put the king on a pedestal to, where, to where, where they were almost just like God. And they pretty much worshipped that king. But yet, and another, I guess, fun fact is, Isaiah could have possibly been the nephew to King Uzziah. And so understand this is something he said in the year that King Uzziah died and I saw him high and lifted up. He said, I also saw. What's it say? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Meaning he got his eyes off the natural. He got his eyes off on everyone mourning. He got his eyes off on, on the problem that faced them as a nation by losing their king. And all of a sudden he saw something in someone greater. So in this time that the King Uzziah died and everyone is looking at this, was looking at this king at the same time, God reveals himself to Isaiah. He said in this, and he goes, and I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Thank you, Father. Maybe, maybe... Maybe God isn't filling my life to the degree I desire him to because he's not high and lifted up. Maybe there's things I've replaced him with. And I just settle for a taste every now and then. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train, the hem of his garment, filled the temple. His presence filled the temple. Now, he's, he's still giving us the vision. He says, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. Now, you know, we, we see pictures of little babies that have these little wings. Nah, not, not my God's wing, not my God's angels. Oh, goodness. They have six wings. Two covered his face. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The angels are prophesying here. And we we know that, and Cassie even mentioned it. And we've, we've heard this, that as the angels continue to fly around the throne room of God, that every time they, they, they look at, at, at God as they fly around, they see a new facet of who he is. There's something new that they see about him that they've never seen before. 
There's something greater that they've never seen before. And here they are circling the throne of God forever and ever and ever. And what is their declaration? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. But then it says the whole earth is full of his glory. They they weren't saying heaven is filled with his glory. They were prophesying, declaring and saying the earth is filled with his glory. The angels are prophesying over our earth. The the angels are, are prophesying from heaven that the earth would be filled with his glory. This is, this is the heartbeat of the Father. This is the heartbeat of why Jesus came to create an avenue and an entrance for the glory of God to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea, as Habakkuk chapter 2 prophesies. I want our eyes to be open. I want us to be able to hear, be able to see, be able to know everything that God desires to do in this season. That the earth would be filled with his glory. And it says, and the posts of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. That's not just smoke what you and I think of smoke. This was the smoke. This was the glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God. Now, just hold your place there. Now, let's go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Every time you read the Old Testament, you've got to connect it with the new. If not, you do yourself a disservice. And people buy that lie that, well, the Old Testament is important. Then you have really been deceived. Let's look at verse 37. Thank you, Lord. It says, but thou, but through, but though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Isaiah, the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who hath believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So he's, he's talking about what Isaiah said. And that's Isaiah 53. Verse 39 says, Therefore, they could not believe because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. So, so one thing I didn't read in Isaiah 6 was verse, verse 9 and 10 of Isaiah chapter 6 is, is saying this right here. That even though Isaiah, you're going to go as a messenger, they're not going to be able to see and they're not going to be able to hear. Verse 41. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. So what is the John writing here? He's telling us about Isaiah's encounter in Isaiah chapter 6. See, this is what God had. He goes, this is what Isaiah said. The thing said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. What did he speak of him? Holy, holy, holy. The Lord God Almighty, Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. You see, the enemy doesn't want us to see. 
Without turning there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, so they can't see the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now just stay with me, okay? These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Now, the very top of my, of, of, right above verse 37 in my Bible, it gives a description and says, the cause of unbelief. The cause of unbelief is not being able to see what God wants you to see. The cause of unbelief is not being able to see his will in the midst of your trouble. See, the problem here is God was coming with a message of deliverance and God was coming with a message of healing to all the people of God. But yet he said they're not going to be able to receive it and they're not going to be able to see it. They're not going to be able to hear it. And if they can't hear it and they can't see it, they can't have faith for it. So this morning, whether you realize or not, I'm building your faith to see something we've never seen before. I'm building our faith for us to understand and truly grasp what does it mean for the glory of God to fill the earth? Are you with me? Verse 41 again. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of them. Now listen to this. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him. So there were some there that could see it. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. I mean, they were more interested in their synagogue than God's presence. Don't be more interested in a formality of God instead of who God really is. That's, that's what Timothy says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So there were some believers there that, that actually believed and it said, but because of the Pharisees, they didn't confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, for they love the praises of men more than the praises of God. Wow. They love the praises of men more than the praises of God. As your pastor, I have to, I have to love the praises of God more than I love your praises of me. I don't care if you like my messages or not. I don't. I answer to him, not you. Well, pastor, you need to tone it down a little bit. You know, there's, you might have unchurched people in your church and you know, you don't want to offend anyone. Hey, I remember going to church and I, it wasn't that I was offended. I was, I just felt bad about who I was. Don't try to, don't try to be the Holy spirit. Don't try to be the Holy spirit and think what unbelievers think. Because then if you're worried about them, then you're enjoying the praises of men more than the praises of God. And I'm telling you, our world doesn't need someone to play patty cake with them and tell them that it's okay. Just live how you want to live. It's going to be okay. And we'll give you a trophy. No, this is a big deal because, because this is about the glory of God filling the earth as waters cover the sea. This is about, this is about what Isaiah saw in the next 60, some cha- 60 chapters, Isaiah is constantly speaking and trying to paint a picture of who the Messiah is painting a picture of who the church is. 
painting a picture in Isaiah, in Isaiah 60 that, that darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the glory of God will rise upon you. The light will rise upon you, right? Right? See, see this, this is, everything is about the glory of God manifesting in the earth. So you have to see Christianity is so much more than I'm going to heaven one day. No, we have to be a movement. We have to be a movement making things happen in the earth. We have to be a movement. The church has to be a movement, but we aren't a movement in our own ability, our own intellect. We have to be a movement of the glory of God, the movement of the power of God. We have to be God's hand in the earth. For they love the praises of men more than the praises of God. Let's look at First Kings real quick. While you're, while you're turning to First Kings, I, I, I went a little too quick. Hold on. First Kings 18. Thank you, Father. But in uh, John 12, verse 44, says, Jesus cried and said, this is all part of context here. He that believes on me, believes not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world. And whoever believes on me shall not abide in darkness. For if any man hear my word, see, he talks about seeing, he talks about hearing. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Yes. Now, let's go back and go to first, first Kings 21. Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you halt and limp between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And, and the people answered, not a word. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple, right? Elijah, you know, Elijah, he was a bold man. I, I'm praying for the boldness of Elijah. I, I mean, think about it. He, he goes, okay, if God is God, then follow him. If Baal's God, follow him. So Elijah's saying, I really don't care who you follow. Just follow something and stop being this on two sides of the, of the bench, two sides of the, of the fence here. If God is, if God's God, then follow him. And, 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 and that's, and that's my desire as a church. Hey, if God is God, let's just follow him. If you're looking at the world and music and everything else, then just follow it. Just go all in, just go all in and don't, and, 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 and don't look back. That's really what Elijah's saying. And the people like, should I say Amen. <laughs> Or should I say, oh, me, <laughs> I, I mean, think about it. It's like, if God's God, then follow him. We, we don't have time. These are the last days. It's getting darker and darker in the world. We, and, and as, and I want our eyes open to something greater than what we've ever known. See, 
Having our eyes open is about knowing him. A life of consecration is about having a pursuit for him. A life of consecration is about knowing his word, knowing him. Go Isaiah 6. Back to Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6. Verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, of, Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. That was verse 5. Then said I. Isaiah speaking, woe is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now think about it. This is, for me, the altar, consecration. I mean, I remember... You have to know this. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn. The Holy Spirit convicts. And when you're in the presence and you're in the presence of glory, Isaiah recognized where he didn't measure up. And we can be in church or we could listen to a message. I remember going home from the liquor store on my lunch break <laughs> in this period of time while God was working in my life. And I remember flipping channels and sitting in front of the TV and, and I'd come across there's a period of time that I'm watching, I'm watching TBN. I'm like, why is Justin watching TBN? I have no clue. But I remember, I remember, I, I, I did it one time. The next thing you know, there was this guy that was ministering and, and it was a guy named Casey Treat. And I didn't know anything about church. I didn't know anything about preachers. I didn't know anything at that point. And I remember sitting there while I'm eating my lunch and watching, but I got to a place where I couldn't eat. Not because I wasn't hungry, but because all of a sudden I would be listening to what he was saying. And all of a sudden I'm looking, I'm like, I need, I need to make some changes. He not one time condemned me. He not one time said that I was going to hell. There was nothing like that that was coming out of his mouth. That was, but there was this, this love and compassion that was coming out of him with his testimony, how he was a drug addict. And there was these different things coming from him. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I can't eat. And I'm just, I am just captivated by this red haired preacher. And Isaiah here, he's in the presence of God. And, and I, didn't, I didn't know the presence of God at that time. I, I know what I was sensing was the presence of God. And it was the Spirit of God resting on me to want me to yield my life. 
and I'm sitting there and, 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 and I can just sense that's what Isaiah was feeling. Look, I, I'm a man of unclean lips. What, what would you have to do with me, Lord? What, who am I? And what would, why would you want, why would you want to show me this and not someone else? Why would you show me? Because I know my, my, my inconsistencies. I know my weaknesses. I know my sin. I know my failure. I, I mean, I've had to walk, walk through that earlier on as pastoring. I, I was just like, God, couldn't you chose someone else that, that didn't blink so much when they preached her? Couldn't you pick someone else that didn't, didn't turn red so fast? And what were the Savelles thinking? I mean, there's someone else. I mean, but yet Isaiah, because he saw the Lord, he saw the Lord. He saw the glory of God. He was in the presence of God. And it got to a point where, where, wait a minute, I need something more than what I've had. And that's why he could say, whoa, whoa, whoa is me. I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live in a, with a people that are unclean lips. See, all God is wanting is an entrance. All he's wanting is an avenue. Because when you get it, he'll only show you as much as you allow him to show you. And he, he's like, I'm, I'm this man of unclean wet lips. And he says, for my eyes have seen the king. Tell you when, you, when you see him or you're in his presence, there's nothing else that measures up. He, he had a taste. <laughs> but he wasn't just satisfied with the taste. I saw the king. I saw him. It's like me in my life. I, 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 he's worked in my life. And he, he says this, he goes, then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it on my mouth and said, lo, this has touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Wow. I mean, this is, I believe this is speaking prophetically. David spoke prophetically. I mean, think about David even reached into a covenant. He said, he, he said in Psalms 51, he said, create in me a clean heart. He didn't say, he didn't say, forgive my heart. He didn't say, he, he didn't say, um, just, um, you know, repair my heart. He said, create in me a clean heart. He's saying, God, I want something that's never before existed. I want something. I don't want, I don't want you to, to do a repair in my heart. I want something that's new. That's never before existed. Create in me a clean heart. Make it brand new. And he was reaching into forgiveness that wasn't yet available. Wow. Because the only way for forgiveness was through animals. And here Isaiah is reaching into, I believe, even a new covenant and saying, saying, hey, take the coals from off the altar. The angels came and they took it and put it on his on his tongue, on his lips, and, and he forgave him his iniquities. See, there's something that can happen in the presence of God that can happen nowhere else.
See, when you see him high and lifted up, like Isaiah did, never the same. I mean, you can, you know, I, can, I, I tried it. I, I went back into the world. I went back into things that I know the Lord delivered me from. But still never to be satisfied. Oh, David, Riley, I mean, you, when you are in his presence, you can, you can try to run from it. You can try to go back to it. But it never, it will never satisfy you. And therefore, you're the most miserable Christian ever. Because you can't even enjoy the pleasure. You can't even enjoy those things. You can't. You know what I'm saying? I guess I'm the only. I'll preach to myself. All right. I mean, you can't even enjoy being disobedient to God. You can't enjoy it. Because, you know, there's something more. There's something more. There's something more. There's something more. And this is what consecration is all about. When he came to that presence and he was at this, this spiritual altar, so to speak. And, and what happened is, is God, the angels came and he took the coals off the altar and put it on his mouth. It cleansed him. It made him new. What's the next thing say? And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Verse 8. Then he said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. You see, the whole point of the glory filling the earth is our response to that question. There is a glory that comes from heaven. There is an anointing and a corporate glory that that fills the room when we are meeting together and we worship God. But I want you to know that you... Are the, you are and you have the glory on the inside of you. Who shall go for me? Who, he, he, says, he, said, he said, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? It wasn't, it wasn't this, this, this pause where, where all of a sudden there's this, okay, I cleanse his lips now. Now you need to spend five years now, Isaiah, Learning about, about the law. No, no, immediately heard this voice saying, saying, who, who shall I send? Who shall go for me? And as Isaiah's response then, then said, here I am, send me. See, that's consecration. He's saying, God, look no further, send me. He's saying, my eyes have seen your glory. My eyes have heard your voice. I've, I've seen you. I, I, I'm getting to know you. And it's out of that relationship that the glory of God flows out, our, out of our lives. And we change the world around us. Yeah. It's in his presence that we're changed. And you can be changed in a moment. Let me read a quote by 
Jim Elliott. He says, we are so utterly ordinary, so commonplace, while we profess to know a power the 20th century does not reckon with. But actually, we're harmless and therefore unharmed. We're spiritual pacifists, non-militants, conscientious objectors in the battle to the death with principalities and powers in high places. Meekness must be had for contact with men, but brass. Outspoken boldness is required to take part in the uh, the comradeship of the cross. We are sideliners, coaching and criticizing the real wrestlers while content to sit by and leave the enemies of God unchallenged. The world cannot hate us. Why? Because we're so much like its own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. <laughs> oh, that God would make us dangerous. Woo. Oh, see, but this is when we get into his presence and the glory of God fills our lives. We're more concerned with the praises from him instead of the praises of men. Let me close with this. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter. I'm sorry. Daniel chapter 11. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. He goes, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Let me read that again. But the people that do know See, there's a people that are looking for flatteries. But the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. (laughs) But the people that do know their God shall be strong, shall be strong, shall be strong. I'm looking at a room full of people that are strong. Hallelujah. Make it your quest to know God. Make it your quest to know God, just as Paul's was, just as Jesus's was, just as David was, just as Isaiah was. Make it your quest to know God, because those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for how it equips us, how it empowers us, how it strengthens us. I thank you, Father, for just a pursuit on the inside of each one of us. I thank you for an awakening on the inside of every heart this morning. Awakening, awakening. Lord, I thank you that eyes are open, that ears are open, that hearts are open to know the hope of their calling, the inheritance that they have of the saints, and the, and the exceeding greatness of your power. Lord, I thank you that we would not settle for, for being sideline Christians. We would not settle for being just a church on the south side of Fort Worth. But Father, I thank you that we wouldn't settle for just being ordinary. But Father, we would step into becoming the extraordinary church.
the church that you said the gates of hell would not prevail against him. Lord, I thank you for a church that you're setting up in this, in this city, the city that you've called us to be, the city you equipped us to be, that we are a, we are a city set on a hill. And I thank you that we will be a city that will pursue you. We will be a city that embraces you. We will be a city that will build our lives upon the word of God. We will build our lives on the hope of the gospel. We will build our lives on the presence and the power of God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the presence of God and the power of God. Father, I thank you for the word of God that's resting on this house because I know that your word in your spirit is alive and sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you that your word, hallelujah, is, is spirit and your word is life. Hallelujah. And it's flowing from this place. I thank you, Father, that we know you and we will be strong and we will do great exploits. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you made ne- never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to come down to the altar. Hallelujah. Right now. Hallelujah. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, come down to the altar right now. Oh, Father, I thank you for the calling and the election. Hallelujah. To be made sure into every heart into every believer, into every life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that they would know your voice. They'd know your strength. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, Eric. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you that you make all things new. Hallelujah. You make all things new. Oh, hallelujah. Let's just praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, that the Spirit of God is working and moving in this place. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, that you're taking people out out of darkness and into light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Maybe you've been walking through life, but you're unsure about your calling. You're unsure. Hallelujah. And you, you, you made Jesus, Lord. You know you're going to heaven, but you just, you just kind of walk through life aimlessly. You're not sure. You don't, you don't have a sense of purpose. So come down to the front right now. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God wants to, wants to make himself known to you in a fresh new way. Hallelujah. In a fresh new way. Hallelujah. And you may say, Pastor, I've made Jesus the Lord of my life, but I've never truly encountered his presence in in, in an extraordinary way. Just come down real quick. Come down real quick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, we glorify you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. Who was and who is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was and who is to come. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We choose to follow you. We choose to follow you, Lord. Hallelujah. That we would, we would hear that same voice as, as Isaiah heard. He heard that voice and said, here am I, send me. 
Hallelujah. Here am I. Send me. Hallelujah. Who will go for me? Will you declare? Will you declare like Isaiah declared? Here am I. Send me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, when, when the disciples followed Jesus and they, he said, go to, the, go to Jerusalem and, and, and tarry there until you're endued with power from on high. Go there. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Go there. Go there. And they went to Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they went to Jerusalem to be filled with power. We can't reach this world without the glory of God, the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, the Holy Spirit is not something that we push to the side. The Holy Spirit is a gift that Jesus said, it's advantageous that I go away. In Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 1. And I'm also, we've obtained an inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and whom also that you believed. Now, did you believe in the gospel? Raise your hands. If you believed in the gospel, right? Then it says, it says you were sealed with the Holy spirit of promise. I want you to know that you're filled with the Holy spirit of promise. You are filled with the Holy spirit of promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that you, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, just lift your hands and just thank him for the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for directing our lives. Holy Spirit, thank you for revealing Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We glorify you. And you are the sheep of my pasture. Every breakthrough is found in who I am. Every breakthrough is found in me, says the Lord. And it's as you get closer to me and as you draw near to me, you will enter gates with thanksgiving and you will come into courts with praise 
Don't allow your head to hang down. Your head will hang down when you fail to recognize my hand. Your head will hang down when you fail to put my word in its proper position in place. So when your heart is positioned and placed on me and my word, you won't be able to help but praise. You won't be able to help but enter with thanksgiving, says the Lord. Give him a shout of praise. Amen.